Hey, this is Jeff and Jeremy from the Ultra Running Guys. We just want to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We started this podcast to help you take your next step in your ultra running journey. We also want to make sure that you are aware that there are a few ways you can connect with us. So be sure to check us out on our Instagram and Facebook accounts, and you can head over to our website, theultrarunningguys.com, so you can see the live races that we're hosting. Lastly, don't miss out on an opportunity to connect with us on Patreon, where we'll be providing behind-the-scenes content, and this year we'll be spending a lot of time really building up that community. So thank you again. Be sure to like, subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends, and enjoy the episode. It's just the special feeling of being a part of something so crazy people think about is just brings it all together. And it has heightened these feelings throughout these past two years, 100%. And being in this community of people that are tough and are willing to suffer and being so happy about it is just mind-blowingly phenomenal to me. And I just... I dig everything about it. And welcome back to the Ultra Running Guys. You got Jeremy Reynolds and Jeff Winchester of the Ultra Running Guys. And the reason that we're here is to help you take your next step in your ultra running journey. And so if it's your first time plugging in, thank you so much for taking the time. If you're getting value, we would love a review, share with your friends, give us a star rating, all that good stuff. Here's the deal. We have a very special guest for you tonight. So not only is she an active duty Marine who just completed the Grand Canyon rim to rim to rim this past weekend, which is super cool, but she is also the reigning female champion for both our races, the Hydra and the Final Countdown, absolutely destroying the female course record a few weeks back at the Final Countdown. She performed so well, in fact, that we wrongly assumed that she's a seasoned ultra runner, but the truth is she's actually pretty dang new setting distance PRs in both of those races. Astounding. It was it definitely astounding. That was pretty cool to find out. And aside from her running, we're also inspired by her mindset, which is exemplified in the following quote, running is my way of suffering, but not in a bad way. Just a way to push myself and struggle and see how far I can go. Then when things happen in my life, I come at them from a different perspective. So stick around to hear what she's learned from running and how running can help shape our perspective in our own life as well. And so with that, Anderson Dibble, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It is so good to be on. I am. I'm loving your energy for everybody listening. Just prior to we were talking and you've been quiet at our races. We told you that. And now you're kind of like just bubbling up with energy. I absolutely love it. So here's the deal. We got lots to talk about with the races and what you got coming up in the Grand Canyon. But like we do a lot, we kind of want to know how you got to this point right especially because we were so surprised about kind of how fresh a lot of this stuff is so we know you ran a sub four hour marathon in 2018 but we don't really know much before that so how did running start for you in general and then we'll kind of fast forward to to recent times okay so i ran cross country in high school and i was pretty mediocre i made some amazing friends And I learned a lot about my life. And then I kind of stopped running when I joined the military. 
so I get to San Diego, it is 2017 and I ran two miles and I stopped and I was dead. And I thought to myself, I do not want to not be a runner. So after that day in 2017, I started running every single day and I increased my distance and started training. And then I ran my first marathon in 2018. It was a 359. And I made an awesome friend who actually is in Hawaii right now and we're still connected. So that was my first scene of, hey, running is a thing and you can still be friends with people from so far away. Yeah, so I was in California for almost four years, came to North Carolina in 2020. And I have a friend, Max, who actually convinced me to run the May Madness 50K. So that was my first ultra back in 2021. And it was just phenomenal. His energy was awesome. And I was like, oh yeah, like, let's do it. Had a great time. And then I just was thinking to myself, I don't want this to be my last one. So that's pretty much how I started. So you mentioned, and I just want to clarify, because you said run every day. Are you in a running streak or you just meant like, hey, I want to run as much as I can run? Uh, Yes, just run as much as I run. Okay. Definitely taking days off for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Because we've had some people on that have amazing running streaks. But um, no, I mean, I saw you were putting in some serious miles even after the final countdown. So it's clear that you like to get out as often as you can. Yeah, I was just going to come back to your May Madness because I didn't know you had this other ultra on your calendar. We thought your first was the Hydra, but I'm now curious about the May Madness 50K. How did you actually do? Um, I got second female. The total time was five hours and 27 minutes. And at that point, I had no idea about nutrition, no idea about anything. Uh, My mom came and was just helping me through it. And Max and I had no idea. So we met my dear friend, Martin Thorne. He has been a model mentor in my life. And I met him there for the first time. Basically was like, hey, uh, Anderson, you need to eat 200 calories an hour. And I was like, what does that mean? And then that's when I was beginning to understand, oh, there's an actual science behind this and how it affects my performance. And honestly, I wouldn't have done as maybe well for my first ultra as I had if I hadn't been like eating as much. So I, I also was fired up on, oh, there's something actually serious science about this. I want to learn more because I'm a forever student and I constantly am wanting to learn more. And then I get like addicted to things and I just like love it. And I'm addicted to running. So, yeah. (laughs) I'm just trying to follow along real quick. So you did the Made Madness 50K in 2021. Is this the one that has a break after each three mile loop that everybody takes there? So you have, you run three miles. I think you have 45 minutes or an hour to do that. Um, to do your 5k and then they just do it 10 times and everybody starts each lap at the same time yes but then you take your consolidated time is how you got the 520 they take your overall run time to get the winner Mm. is how that particular runs so what else did martin teach you okay so once i met him we pretty much like stopped talking followed each other on strava all that stuff and i mean we're like bffs and um so He had been seeing my Strava and stuff and was, hey, like you should start doing this. Oh, hey, I see you're running this. You should 
try this, uh, basically giving me like some form of workouts. So then it became, he was my mentor of, Hey, you should get a heart rate monitor. We're going to monitor your runs on a heart rate. You should be eating X, Y, and Z before. So then we started talking about eating during runs. So then I could, my stomach could get used to whatever food I was trying to eat during my long runs. We, he showed me different pace workouts I can do based off my heart rate. And we kind of got an idea of my aerobic heart rate, my threshold heart rate and based every single day off a specific training schedule that he was to me, like Mondays would be a pace day. I, we talked about recovery days and I didn't know what a recovery day was. I just would run to run. And then we said, Hey, uh, your recovery day should be your below your aerobic base. So you're just very calm. Um, me specifically, I would do my recovery days around 140 beats per minute. I'm also 24. So that's high, I guess, for somebody who's older, but my age. And I just like learned that over time, I learned my body. And then I was able to run and train not based off how I feel, but I would go into my runs thinking I would be recovered. And then, oh, why is my heart rate at 155 when it should be super low? So I learned how to train efficiently for my body to perform the way I wanted. And then I would, I increased my mileage by quite significantly. I remember I was running one week and I reached 60 miles and I was like, oh my goodness, like I can't believe I just ran 60 miles this week. That's crazy. And he taught me, I already loved the sport, but he ensured, and it came like with our friendship too. He really ensured that I loved it because I loved it. And there was no unhealthy relationship with obsession over running for, I don't know, losing weight or trying to beat everybody I could doing it specifically for longevity, health, mental toughness, and just peace within my body, knowing that, yes, I'm a human being and I have these limbs and this body and these lungs and I sweat through my pores and I'm literally born to run and I should be using my body effectively and for that specific purpose. So really I learned so much from him in, I guess, short terms, but yeah. So you met Martin at, at the May Madness 50K. He throws out a piece of advice about eating 200 calories in an hour. And you decided to trust him with your running life. Yeah, I sure did. <laughs> I sure did. What, what about him in that moment you thought? Because again, it, you know, this isn't the, the, a normal like connection that you made. You met somebody at a race and all of a sudden you're going to take everything he says. And I'm not saying he's wrong because it sounds like he's giving you some great advice. But why would you trust somebody you don't know with your running life? He didn't come at me with, hey, you're doing this wrong. Hey, uh, you need to fix this. It was more, hey, buddy, I'm your friend. And really just showed the care and told me about his other running friends that he's helped. And then, I mean, if you've ever met him, he's a social butterfly and I love social butterflies. And I just was like, oh, hey, new friend. And it's just been a very wholesome mentorship and friendship that I have just really latched on to. And honestly, if people show you that they care about you, it's very hard not to trust them because there are very few people in life that truly care about you and don't 
have another agenda, like selfish agenda. And I truly believe that the friends I have in my life are there for a specific purpose and they're teaching me something and I'm receiving it. And so I'm also there in their life that I can benefit them too and show them, maybe I don't know all the knowledge, but hey, I'm gonna be that positive light or project happiness and calmness and mental toughness and just show people that, hey, I'm not just living in this world to just be a human being. I am being a mentor, a learner, just anything for anybody, because I feel like life is too short not to do that for other people. So yes, that's why I trusted him. I I love your spirit. And I will say, he looks like a guy that can be trusted because we went back and looked at, I mean, just his ultra sign up, like he's pretty legit, right? He's got a lot of experience. He's done some incredible things. And so to be able to pull from that and share that with you, I am interested just from from everybody listening, because obviously there's a lot of things that you took personally that you've been able to learn and do that. But if you had to sum up, you know, if somebody says, Hey, what are a couple things? I've only got a couple minutes with you. What are a couple things that you think I should go do or look into or tips that you want me to know that, you know, you've either learned from him or from just from your time as you've developed to this point. His big thing that I live by too, which is what we really bonded about is just have fun. And if you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. And you have to have balance with everything. You have to have a balance with food and eating enough or not eating too much. You have to have a balance with sleep. Sleep is very important because I would always talk about, I wouldn't sleep a lot because I'm like working so much or whatever that time in my life we were doing X, Y, and Z training. And I was like, I can't like sleep enough because of this. And he was just saying, hey, please like prioritize sleep. It's very important. So sleep is very important. And then um, like staying focused and always remember your why, because if you don't remember your why, you're never going to finish it through. I like it. I like it. I like Martin. Martin loves running and he made it contagious for you. Yes. And I told him, I was, I was telling him, I was like, Hey, so these people asked me to speak on their podcast. And honestly, you're the first thing came into mind on why I am running like this. So I'm going to talk about you. Is that okay? He's like, yeah, sure, buddy. I was like, okay. (laughs) Well, that means Martin's at least going to listen to the show. (laughs) (laughs) But what you're saying though, is I think exactly what we love about ultra running is the relationships, the community, the way that people go out of their way to help each other out because to be honest, a lot of the people that we are connected to now, including the ones that, uh, you know, you popped in on for the, the Patreon meeting started with just a reach out or a question mm-hmm. or, Hey, you know, you see that you start a relationship and next thing you know, strangers are some of your best friends because you have this crazy thing in common. Mm-hmm. It's inspiring. All right. So I want to hear about the Hydra. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> You signed up the day prior. Yes. <laughs> well done. Came in out of nowhere and just smoked the field. Um, but that was a new race for us. First, I just want to know, uh, how did the Hydra come on your radar? Like, what made you jump into that race? So I actually didn't even know that existed at all. I was doing a regular training week. I I was obviously doing no, like, taper, in quotes. And my friend May Lynn... She always like sends me good races. I am not a good race digger. That is my fault. 
but I have amazing friends who I've met from the Wilmington Roadrunners that are always like, hey, look at this, look at this. And I'm like, oh, okay, perfect. So then I sign up based off then. So my friend May Lynn sent me this link and she was like, hey, you should do this uh, race. And I was like, oh, okay, sure. And then I just signed up, um, but I was trying to sign up and then you guys had to extend the uh, opening registration for me or whatever. And yeah, then I don't tell anybody <laughs> you're going to get me in trouble, <laughs> but, but you know why we did it is because my reached out because she is one of the best people. On, I mean, talk about somebody who cares. Well, you just told everybody else also we take call in favors. <laughs> it's true though. <laughs> She's because off. we're I mean, the directors. We're she's off, but do. she's also gone out of her way. She's volunteered for it. She's gone out of her way to help us out. In fact, she volunteered at that race. We love her. Um, okay, so one thing I did not do that Jeff reminded me of. So the Hydra, the format. Uh, for anybody listening that is not familiar with the format, one of the things that we try to do is create a unique race experience. We also want to get people that may not normally be around ultra events to be around ultra events. So we came up with this monster called the Hydra, um, and which is for the five heads of the Hydra. And so it's five different loops. Uh, each loop, you have to collect a colored rock. You don't know what loop you're running in what order, and people are running them in all different orders. So there's really no way at first to tell who's winning. The loops are different distances. And so it's kind of this, I guess, just unique experience, right? And one of the things that really stood out, and even for Final Countdown, I'm going to talk about this too. You, how do I say this? You kind of blended in like you were just all day you were kind of just the one that came in steady steady there's people that you watch because you could tell they're 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 pushing they're after it right kind of the what i would it say looks like they're working they look like they want to win right yeah the, the, well there's two there's the ones that have the urgency on their face because they want to get in they want to get out they're doing their things and then you got the people that are suffering and you pay attention to them because you're like ooh, all right it looks like they're having a rough day so in a good way, I'll say this is that like you did not hit either one of those spectrums. And then as it started getting to the end, we're like, man, Anderson's got like one loop left. Like she, I think she's on the last loop she, with them. <laughs> she's so far ahead. Like how have we not caught this until now? How did you feel during that race? Like give us just a little glimpse into the experience of the day. So I started that race. I think I went in there a little bit insecure about how I was going to do because I, I don't, I can't remember what I have had done before I like weather training wise, but I think I went in there not really thinking I would do so good. However, when I got there, I just set up on myself a little bit of like applesauce or whatever. And then I started and I felt really good whenever I started. And when I feel really good, I tend to pace really well and very calmly. Mm. So I started it and I also your uh, tricks of the rocks and stuff put a little bit of panic mode, slight panic in my head. So I was always on edge. So I wasn't just, okay, I wasn't just running a race. It actually made it very mentally rewarding oh my gosh like i gotta find that rock <laughs> oh there's the rock so that was actually occupied my mind and then the course was phenomenal i had never been to brunswick national forest and i loved how it wasn't straight it was windy i was looking at my map on strava and i was like what is this blob of <laughs> and um i felt very good 
And I didn't think I was going to win because also you can't tell who's on what lap or how far they're ahead of you. So I'd be alone for minutes at a time. And I would almost think, Oh my goodness, am I lost? And then that would put in a little bit of panic too, which I think drove me to go faster in a good way. And then once I realized that I was doing really well, I kind of just ended up pushing it towards the end, but that was a race that I had kind of tricky terrain and managed to get faster every single mile, which also was a benefit for training purposes too, that I realized that I was able to do that. So the one thing that really stood out to me there, because most people, when they say, when I'm feeling good, would not follow it with, I pace really well, mm -hmm. right? Most people are like, when I'm feeling good, I just freaking, I blow it. You know, I go out way too fast and then later I pay for it. So that to me really stood out. And obviously we saw it. Is there, I guess, is that intentional? Are you aware of that? Or is that just something because you're relaxed, you're able to get into that flow? Like I'm thinking of people listening right now going, Hey, how do I, when I feel good, relax into it instead of let the excitement get the best of me. Okay. So yes to the relaxation part that you said. However, I am a very quick learner and I wasn't always a quick learner. My mom can assess this, but <laughs> when I, I guess backtracking a little bit, I did the LRB marathon, which that was when I did a PR of 328, I believe. And that race, I had started out so fast I think I was doing like a 6.30 pace and I was like, oh yeah, like I'm feeling great. This is like three, three hours I can get. And I, I mean, I did very well um, in that like stage of my life, but I had gone out so fast and I had just struggled so much at the end. And it was so ingrained in my head after that race that I was like, oh no, you got to learn quick about how to pace what distance is a pace. So that is like my pinnacle moment of bad pacing because of that one pace mistake. I had learned that when I'm feeling good, I have to understand, Hey, you're going to be out here for X amount of hours and you need to calm down, settle in, understand. I mean, every little part of my body, I'm thinking about my fingertips, like my ears, my knees, my toes. I'm become so aware of everything. And I tend to put that in my normal life too. I try every single day to be so aware of things so I don't just let life or things pass me by. So when I'm in that state of, hey, I'm feeling good, I really have to dig deep and be honest with myself and find those answers of how to continue this race and end on a very good note rather than dying. So. Dying, dying is bad. <laughs> I think it's so good. We're going to talk in a little bit about mindset, um, but you keep, it's clear that is just such a big piece of who you are. Um, so I have a hard time like going, oh, it's coming. We're going to talk about it. <laughs> You've mentioned food a, a few times. I'm just interested. What are a few of your go-tos? Okay. So I really enjoyed um, the baby food, like turmeric chicken, in that little baby pouch that's really good and salty and it just tastes really good. There's like sweet potato baby food. 
And then I really love Reese's Pieces too. I'm also a chocolate lover. So Reese's Pieces are just really good. Um, I do Uncrustables. Um, honestly, everything that isn't healthy for you, I like eating when I run. <laughs> She's eating real food though. Yeah, as I say, you are eating real food. And the baby food stuff goes down. Like I've, I've definitely worked that into it goes down easy. The sweet potato? You, yeah, you don't have to chew it. Chicken? And it's got like legit uh, ingredients in it. Yeah, and there's there's a good amount of carbohydrates. Like if you get the really good ones, there's almost 20 grams of carbohydrates, a good amount of sodium, and like 90 to 100 calories. And then I also... I do do gels too. I do the science and sport, uh, liquid energy gels. I love those because they're more water-based rather than the goo gels and not hating on goo because I definitely love goo, but these are just, if I'm feeling nauseous or something, it just goes down really easy. Yeah. I prefer science and sport. I think those are fantastic. They're really good. Those are good tips though. It's good for, for all of us to hear kind of what, what works for different people. And I'm a big so. applesauce fan too. So when you said that you had that before the Hydra, I'm like on board. I use the go-go <laughs> squeeze whenever I can. It's fantastic. Oh, yeah. So you clearly had a good day at Hydra. Before we move off the topic, you've said several times you're kind of a lifelong learner. You learned quickly. Was there anything that you learned about yourself on that day that you've taken forward? Honestly, I probably could have pushed myself harder. <laughs> Yes, I was talking about relax. Hey, I'm feeling good. But sometimes I do get too relaxed where I am like, okay, like you got to wait, you got to wait. Um, and I'm just so in this steady mindset to where maybe I don't find my full potential in races. And I know that's going to come down the line. Like I've had years left of running and learning and experiencing, but I probably could have pushed myself a little harder. And Specifically for the course, that was the first trail that I ever did that was very turny and curvy and technical. So I had, that was new to me too. So getting used to being light on my feet because I never really had to be mentally aware of the lightness of my feet when trail running like that. Um, I could have definitely been more efficient in that too. Yeah, I think the race actually forces people to slow down both because it's so mentally taxing. It is one of the things that we like about it because and a lot of people said that after the race, how just mentally exhausted they were. But it also creates a sense of stress that if you run too fast, you may pass the rock um, and because you don't know where they are. Um, eventually, people started figuring out there may be a pattern to it. But at some point, you really can't just blaze down the trail because if you miss it, you can't go to the next color loop until you bring me a rock. And I just la look at you and laugh. They do it again. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually shocked though, because I've run two marathons out there and I know how, even if you're putting in a lot of miles, how quickly that course will break your legs down. And so for, to hear you say that, that was really the first time you've been on any kind of technical trail like that. I'm it's impressive. Like, it's the same thing. I would just would have assumed that you were an experienced trail runner that came out and did your thing that day. So that leads me to the, the, the question, which we actually didn't even have on here. Do you do any kind of uh, cross training? I mean, obviously with military stuff, I don't know if that's something that's, that's kind of built in, but do you do any kind of strength training, cross training that may have helped with that? I have probably a terrible answer. Honestly, the most I do is we have like two physical fitness tests a year and I do strength training then. 
but I always stretch and I always do band work. So I guess that kind of counts as mobility slash a little bit of tension, like workouts. Do you do that before? Cause actually there's a note that we did have that I did skip over. Do you do that before or after your run or both? So I stretch before and I stretch after I do band work always after if I do it before it's only because I am like oh like I need to do it but I just forget sometimes or I'm at work and I'm about to run from work and I don't have my band with me but I always stretch before and after and do like lunges squat type stretching that activates those muscles and then my band work afters for my hips um, mainly because I had a terrible hip flexor injury back in April that just scarred me for life. And so I'm always stressed about my hips and just making sure that my glutes and my hip flexors are just always mobile, warm, and ready to run and recover after my run. How long is this hip mobility routine that you're doing after each of your runs? How long does it last? Five minutes. It's just really quick. It's, it's just a simple, uh, I just YouTube it and um, it's just basically I put the band around my knees and just I'm on my side and just lift and make sure that mm-hmm. my hips and glutes are being activated. So like clamshells? Yep. Clamshells. And then I'll do like scissor kicks. Mm-hmm. So. It's, it's interesting because my mind is I'm probably the only runner that when they go out for a run, when they get done and they're done with their run, they don't want to do like hip mobility or something like that. I don't do any of that, but I don't know really many runners that do. <laughs> so it's impressive to me that you have a routine after your run, even if it is five minutes. I think it's great because it's exactly what you're supposed to be doing. If you would have bet me $10 <laughs> that you were a trail runner prior to that, I'd have been like, yeah, there's <laughs> or hundred, whatever. 10, you're cheap. Uh, I, know, I was going to say, I probably would have bet way more than 10 on a place like that. <laughs> Only because again, I've done it and I know, I just know how taxing it can be, even though I would run trails. I mean, so. one thing about Anderson is that there's just a lot of ups in there. Her, her running career. There's never seems to be any downs, any problems or any mistakes <laughs> that have taken place. Yes. Except no, we I, did find something <laughs> called the Stevest. Oh yeah, that was a bruiser. <laughs> so first describe the Stevest because we know it's tough and we know that a lot of people didn't make it through, but describe it for us. Tell people about the course, what makes it tough, and then we want to hear a little bit about your day. Okay, um, so basically it, it's in Concord, North Carolina, and I'm pretty sure the month was July, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, so it was July. Obviously, North Carolina, like the hottest month. Of- <laughs> and they have this epic 42 miler with a terrain that I was not prepared for. I was, I went out there, I signed up for this race, and I was like, it can't be that bad. Like, honestly, it's probably not that bad. It's probably normal trail run. There were hills all over. You couldn't get a steady pace. And I was not trained for the hill work at all. Like I did no hill work training before that. And I honestly thought it would be like all my other races and I could just go in there and just do it. (laughs) Mental toughness. That's all I need. (laughs) Goggins. Or maybe don't skip leg day. Right. (laughs) Band work. (laughs) Yeah. Just do band work and stretching. You'll be fine. So at what point in the race did you realize like, okay, this is not going according to plan? (laughs) Okay. Honestly, it was, I was like the first lap. It was, it was, (laughs) so there were three loops. It was 13 point something miles per loop. 
I started out slow with everybody else, but in my head, I was like, yo, like, why are we going so slow? And everybody's like, no, like you need to go so slow. And I was like, no, we're basically walking. Like, not be going this slow. So then the hills start coming, they're like, walk up every hill. And I'm like, what the heck? Like these hills are like nothing. And then the heat starts setting in. But at this point, I had known it was going to be super hot. I was taking salt tablets every 15 minutes. I was eating something every 30 minutes, drinking all the time. I had drinking like six liters of water that entire race. So after the first loop, I had gone back to my aid station and Trisha actually was my like crew for that. Phenomenal and just really made everything super fun. So she was just amazing, gave me what I needed. I was like, I was just very hot at that point. I had some ice. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to go out on the second loop, try my best. And I was a little bit mentally giving up already starting the second loop because I was thinking there's no way I can finish this. So I get to the second loop and I am dying. I'm cramping all over, even though I'm drinking like crazy. I'm walking up the hills, getting cramps in my feet, getting cramps in my quads, like it's wild. And just my mental fatigue. And also that race, you were alone most of the time too, because everybody either had quit already or they were just very spread out or like the winners were just way ahead crushing it. And so I was alone 90% of that race. So basically you had to be done by 3 p.m. by the second lap. And it was like 1.30 and I had about six miles left. And yeah, I had like two hours to run six miles. And I started walking (laughs) because I just was so fatigued and I had not, I completely stopped eating because I was so hot and I was so mentally frustrated with myself at not preparing more for this race or doing more research for this race. I was thinking that a flatlander like me from Florida and lives right by Topsail could do a race like this with no training and I didn't make the time cut off for the second loop to even start. And I'm glad I didn't even start the third loop because I would have walked the entire thing and probably finished at midnight. Like, <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> that was the steepest. <laughs> thing I, is, I know that feeling, right? Like I know that like, like I could just, you know what I mean? Like, it's okay that I don't make it. <laughs> I don't want to make it. I'm, so I'm interested again on in the lifelong learner kind of, you know, thread. I'm guessing you walked away with some lessons. I'm guessing knowing you that you walked away with some things, kind of a mission of like, I will never get caught like this again. What are the big things that you took away that uh, you can share with the rest of us so that we can be thinking about? Okay. So I had a couple of things I took away. One is learning the different types of food I should eat when it's hot because Mm -hmm. I brought all my normal solid food. And when you're hot, when you're running for a long time and you are sweating profusely, I should have had more liquid calories that I put in my water to have electrolytes, carbohydrates, sodium, and calories. um, So I wouldn't die as quickly. And then a second thing is to there is a hill or a mountain leg workout that one of my friends, Tracy had sent me. And she's also another amazing, phenomenal friend. Tracy Myerson. Yeah. Yes, she is. She's a killer, man. She's awesome. And 
also another amazing mentor in my life, an amazing friend too. She has taught me a lot as well, but she sent me these mountain leg workouts by David Roche, uh, who's like another ultra marathon guy in Colorado. And he has a podcast too with his wife and doing those like squat type things, lunges, and you don't even have to do weights because I'm, I'm petrified of like weights and all that stuff doing those and really training mountain legs and hill workouts and doing hill sprints and hill workouts and learning how to run up them efficiently, maybe shorter strides, lifting up my legs more and learning how to run downhills quickly and learning how to recover fast while you're running. And then thirdly, to identify that giving up part of my brain because I gave up mentally so early in that race because I was so tired and I regret it, but I'm I'm glad I learned the lesson and I'm glad I experienced failure because you can't learn anything if you don't fail, but to experience that pain again, which I will. And then now understand more known limits and to supersede those limits too. So I'm going to ask, and I know we're about to move on, but are are you going to go back? I want to go back, but I'm going to be gone next year, that same like month. Mm, Okay. Um, So I would love to go back. That's good. I have no doubt that you're going to come back and crush it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I got some beef with the Stevis, that's for sure. <laughs> we're going to move on to mindset, especially with what you just kind of said. But before we do, I think you said something that's so important, and that was the heat and nutritional choices. And we've talked about it a few times. We've talked about nutrition. We've talked about heat specifically. And just for everybody listening, if you haven't been on those episodes, um, you know, just the way the body works, right? Your body needs fluid to cool itself and to digest food. So when you get hot and you start throwing those uncrustables in your stomach, then it will say no sweating is more important and it will stop digestion and it will stop you in your tracks or you'll get nauseous, all those different things. So that's why stomach issues can be so common on heat. So I think what you said is just such a good point. If you know, it's going to be hot, quick digestible Fluids are great because it helps at least combat that a little bit. So I just wanted to acknowledge that. I think it's a good point. And find some ice. Yeah. And, and, and we've also talked about that. The fastest way to combat it, if you have to, is to try to cool down. Mm-hmm. So ice, if you need to slow your pace, something like that again. So let your body do the cooling so that it can get back to digestion. Mm-hmm. That can be tough in it's the middle of July and 150 degrees Concord. outside <laughs> North Carolina. But, and uh, with the ice thing, um, I would put like ice on your hands because if you put on your hands or your forehead, it actually cools your body a lot faster. I mean, is there science behind it? Yes. But personally, ice on my hands is like the best thing in life. Also, popsicles really help too. (laughs) Quick sugar and ice. (laughs) Speaking about ice and and weird places, also putting it in your armpits is another great spot. Yep. Yeah. Because you want to cool your core. Justin Hamilton, that was one of his tricks. Wrap it in your, yep. So the the way you just talked about, because most people will go, oh, like I could have pushed harder. The way that you dissected that thought process, pulled information out and said, no, not only do I think I could push harder next time, but there's this piece and this is what I can work on specifically. And this is why it's important. I'm curious, how big is, does personal development 
Do you actively seek out personal development videos, things like that? Or is that just kind of that positivity that overflows? Has that just been part of you and you love to learn? So I have watched videos in the past when I'm maybe in a lull and I feel like I need something to spark my inspiration and motivation. However, I have found that if I can identify it from myself and do the hard thing that not many people like to do and really be honest with yourself and identify, hey, this is what I need to work on. This is how I am from the outside perspective. This is how I feel on the inside and how can I project peace, niceness, drive, determination out into the world and out in the people who I'm with. If I can identify that in myself first and I don't need to rely on all of these videos that people post or like motivational speeches, which I think are great and I think are definitely useful tools to add to your information and knowledge in your head. But I've found if I can learn from myself, I'm already doing the hard work and I, yes, I'm positive most of the time. Like I definitely am negative. Like I'm definitely not always positive. But I think life is too short to be negative and to do anything less than to learn all the time, be surrounded by people who are pushing me constantly. And also to add on to the first topic of where I get it from, the people around me are like my biggest thing. If I am not feeling good energy or knowledge coming from people or like friendship, I don't need that in my life because every single friend I have, like all my running friends, all of my friends that I've met along the way are just, have just been such amazing points in my life that I've learned so much from. And I pull from them, they pull from me. And it's just a constant, like forever student type thing. You can choose to be miserable. You can choose to have a slow, long life filled with nothing, or you can choose to make the best life you can every single day. My life flow of running is love, passion, drive, determination, and it's the same for work, and it's the same for friends. I spread love towards everybody. I'm happy. I never want somebody to experience me in a way that negatively affects them because I'm telling you, Someone can impact your life so minuscule and you don't even know it, but they do. And everybody can impact everybody in such a drastic way. And if you live your life to where you every single day are impacting people to grow and nurture themselves in some way to find groundedness with themselves from your love from yourself, you can make the world a better place. So my friend group, my family, work, running, and my school life too. I have probably two hours of school a day, depending on the homework, eight hour work day. You know, it just fills up so quickly and I can be miserable and I could say, ugh, homework, ugh, I have to run all these distances. Oh, my work is just so stressful. Or I can take it for granted and find gratitude and joyfulness and camaraderie and every single thing I'm doing, even if I'm doing it alone, like I do school online, I do it alone, but there's just that invisible teacher, that invisible classroom that we're all learning together. And 
I'm always learning something about running, whether it's the people that I'm with or something I'm reading about or listening to on a podcast or just learning from myself. And my family's always so supportive. Love and light always comes from them. Love and light comes from my friend group. And just my life flow is very evenly balanced throughout everything. You just became a hero of mine. <laughs> like, and this is no joke. It's like if I could flip a switch and take the joy and passion and everything that I'm watching come from you and put that not only into myself more, right, but the people that I care about the most, because you're winning at life, like no matter what you do with that kind of outlook. And one of the things I, that, you, that you said that I believe very strongly is that happiness is a choice and we have a choice about everything. But my guess is when you look in somebody and it's a choice that you've developed over time that you don't see the bad, you see the good. And because of that, you bring out the best in people and they probably bring out the best in you. And I think we can all learn from that. And as I'm watching, I'm just going, man, I'm already thinking of so many areas in my life where I try to, I mean, I overall I'm a positive person, but I'm already going, wow. Imagine if I applied that philosophy to these other areas of my life that sometimes I kind of let sit in the shadows, you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm super impressed. I, I think there's probably a lot more to talk about there because my it's clear that it's not just natural, right? You've developed, you've made these choices for a while now that now you are who you are by choice because of a culmination of choices. I'm fascinated. Yeah, I was going to go, I hear the idea that you referenced just a minuscule um, ability of influence or impact you can have on somebody. And I, and I kind of heard more of just that if you can stay positive and be positive, you can have that impact on others, even and you only have to do a little bit. And if you're not careful, you can also do a negative impact because it just doesn't take a lot to influence somebody. And there's a thing I used to say all the time. It's that don't ever underestimate your ability to influence the life of another person. You just need to decide if it's going to be a positive or negative influence and you can influence anybody. You just got to figure out which side you want to go with it. And so I think it shows a maturity and an evolution of yourself and your soul and who you are as a person and kind of the, the light you do bring to others. I mean, really to everyone you're, you're influencing. So what, one last thing I'm going to throw it on it. If anybody's listening, go, well, yeah, but what does that have to do with running? This is a running podcast. Everything. That's exactly what I was going to say is it is everything. everything. And they talk about it in Born to Run. They even make a big thing about it, about that. But if we see Anderson running down the trail with a smile on her face, crushing it, and I have no doubt that that particular thing is going to take you further and farther and faster um, than the majority of us because of the love, not because of the way your feet are moving, your, that level will allow the feet to move. So for anybody listening, like, don't miss it. Everything you just said is everything. Yeah, because you, you can DNF the stevest and you can have the best day of your life. Right. Right. It, does, it doesn't matter if it's a suck fest. It matters how you see it and how you perceive it. And I think it's, um, I think it's a, I think it has everything to do with running. Yeah. Yes. And the beginning of my ultra running, like this is the beginning of my career because I'm only 24 and I hope this is goes on for the rest of my life. It's just the special feeling of being a part of something so crazy people think about is just brings it all together. And it has heightened these feelings throughout these past two years, 100%. And being in this community of people that are tough and are willing to suffer 
and being so happy about it is just mind-blowingly phenomenal to me. And I just, I dig everything about it. Yeah. You know, people think we're stupid, (laughs) (laughs) which makes it even better. (laughs) They don't have to understand us to join us. (laughs) So we're going to keep it quick because we typically don't do a two hour podcast, right? It's going to be close, but, and I really want to talk about the Grand Canyon. I think that's going to be such a great topic, but we would be missing if we didn't talk about the final countdown at all. Cause we just had that. So I'm going to give a quick overview of that race for anybody that is listening and is not familiar. Final countdown is the other race that we put on. It is essentially a last man standing mixed with the progression run. It's a 1.3 mile loop. We have 20 minutes to do the first loop, which is a 15 minute pace. And then we reduce the clock 20 seconds every lap. And so at some point, everybody finds their countdown and the timer will get you. And so just kind of a quick, you know, play, I'm going to say almost same thing during this race. And you signed up two days prior to this one. Getting better. (laughs) To me, it was a very similar experience during the race. You kind of blended into the crowd until near the end, all of a sudden there was a pack who'd kind of been leading for a little bit. There was three people that showed up at packet pickup that we knew, Hey, these are three people to watch. And then when they started coming out of the woods, there you were with them. And all Mm -hmm. of a sudden Anderson was part of that lead pack. And we knew you were one to watch as well. I want to hear your experience about the final countdown. I want to know when it got hard for you, if there was any doubts along the way, because the other female that ended up coming in second, Morgan Burroughs is just a powerhouse. I knew you had your work cut out for you. So interested in kind of the whole dynamic. So I get to the race and I knew she was going to be there and I had heard how good she was. And I was like, Oh, like, who is she? Like, where is she? I want to like see her, all this stuff. So I'm like watching her from the beginning. I think one of the, one or two of the laps, like I had finished before her and I was like, Oh no, like I'm doing it wrong, but started out super slow. And I really loved it. I was really able to stay very, very calm, low heart rate, talking pace, like, the first like 26 miles, like just, it was very nice and slow. Obviously the first 10 were like walking pace almost, but it kept a good, I, I think I finished constantly at 10 or 11 minute per mile. It was just super slow where I had just enough time to like eat something or whatever. Once it got to the 50 K, I just remember hearing people around me that were like, oh yeah, like I'm going to stop at the 50 K this is like where it gets hard. And I was like, okay, I don't really feel it too much yet. But this is also me like months training. I had a lot more miles under my belt. My mental race mind was way better than it was. And so my goal there was to do 35 miles because that was the furthest I ran. So I can't remember what the pace was at 35, but it was, it was fairly quick. It was like eight, something or nine it was getting to that pace where I was starting not to have a lot of time to like get food or really chill out on the trail so then I get to like 36 and the pace is starting to really pick up so then I'm starting to catch them the top three people and I realize that I'm feeling really good and I'm surprised that I'm getting so fast because the time keeps going down and I still feel very good And then at like mile 38, I think that was like the lap before where 
I was like running with her. And I think I finished that lap before her, like, but she was mm-hmm. like one second behind me. Mm-hmm. And that's when my competitive race got in. There was no more. Okay. How are we feeling? It was just solely, okay, you're going to win this because you're so close. And I felt my strength getting very even to hers. And I know she's been running for so long and I was just like, nothing else was going through my mind other than, okay, like we got to beat her. I like wanted to stop so bad because I was like the furthest I'd ever gone. And so I remember finishing that one lap where you were like, oh, I saw you looking back. And I was like, so I finished it and like 20 seconds go by. I'm like, oh, like maybe I can be done. Like maybe she's not going to finish. And then she comes around the corner. I'm like, oh, dang it. So then I go off again and then we do the 40 miles. And then that's when, I mean, it's like a sub eight now, right? Uh-huh. So- yes, sir. So for context for the listeners, so last year's winner, the course record for the men was 39.9. That's the, we call it 40, right? But that's a 745 pace loop. This year, all four of you went out on that. So you were a 745 and it was two men, two women, head to head in kind of both categories. And you went out like this awesome pack. But like you said, it was. Like, but it was real close at that point. It was. Everybody was running close. Everybody was running together for the most part. But yeah, you were at a 745 pace required to finish the loop when all four of you went out. But on that loop, Morgan actually came through and continued to run because she had timed almost to the start of the next lap. That's when she kept running through. And then my mind, I was like, I'm running a 745 pace. And this is after like 39 miles. Yeah, just so you know, that wasn't just your mind. Everybody that was standing around watching it was saying the same thing. All these people are running really fast. (laughs) Right. And so that was like also mind-blowing for me. And then whenever she didn't make the time cut off, like you said, I could have like pushed more if there was more competition. But I just the fact that she had not made, I think it was a 40-mile loop that she didn't make. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I was like, okay, like I got it my mind immediately just stopped and I ran that last 41 miles like super slow because I knew I had won and a learning curve for that. I should have pushed myself to my limits rather than stopping when my competition was done, because that's not what running's about. Like, well, t- time out, time out. The competition <laughs> wasn't done. There were right. two other people still running. You could have tried know. to beat, you could have tried to beat those little boys. You're right, but they were so fast. And they were like a six minute pace. And I was like, no way. I mean, I can't even, I, mean, I can barely do that, like with one mile. Um, but I should have kept going. But I had, after she had finished, I had mentally just been like, okay, like you're good. And then I just dropped it. You had an expression at the end of that lap when she did not finish. You turned around and looked back in a, uh, I don't know, I've, I've tried to describe people, it was both excitement and fear. I mean, it, it was one of those, um, just these, this stare that was so intense. And it was just like, I could kill this person if she comes across this line. And if she does, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. I mean, it was just like, everything was on your face. And just to see that she had, was not going to make it, you could just see like, I mean, what do I do? <laughs> and then everybody told you to run and you just started jogging off again. I was like, yeah, she's just jogging this one out. <laughs> yeah, it was a very like mentally rewarding and taxing race and I really learned about like what I was capable of after running so many miles that I was still able to go that fast it was impressive it makes me want to do band work (laughs) (laughs) because mountain legs 
because the two, right, maybe that was it, but it was uh, very impressive. It was, it was incredibly impressive. Congrats on a distance PR. Mm-hmm. So for the people listening, what are your tips to do well at the final countdown? Start slow because you're able to start super slow. Eat a lot of food early because when it gets down to fast racing times after 33 miles, you really don't have time to eat. And, or I also wasn't mentally wanting to eat either because I was so like hyper-focused on winning, Mm -hmm. eat early, drink early and and, hold on. Yeah. And hold on. And honestly, like at the end of the day, like towards the end of the race, it was just solely about what are you capable of? And I know, like, and I know I was competing against Megan and that was solely going through my mind, but that is a perfect race to really see what you as a single body person are capable of running in a certain amount of time, it is a very unique race. And I thought it was, it's phenomenal. I wouldn't have asked for any other format. It was amazing. You made it look easy enough. I don't know if easy is the right word, but you were impressive enough that we had no idea that you should be ringing that PR bell yeah. We until afterwards. So we blew that one. Well, if, but, she'd, have, if she'd have finished the Stevis, it wouldn't have been an issue. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Sore subject. <laughs> not for me <laughs> that's now my favorite <laughs> all right well for my, so frustrated with me right now <laughs> for my own doing we're short on time but i got i want to hear about the grand canyon uh you just got done with it like literally a couple of days ago you went with friends so rim to rim to rim just a couple stats and you tell me if i'm wrong on these 47 miles 12,000 feet of elevation. So I'm guessing some of the mountain lakes, you know, stuff that we talked about played a role. And then I think you said 15 hours of movement and 18 hours, just over 18 hours in the Canyon. So probably took some breaks, had, you know, made it enjoyable. Like, how did that come about? Why the Grand Canyon? And then let's talk about it. Well, like I said earlier, I am not a good race researcher or run researcher in general. Um, Two of the ladies, uh, Felicia and Heather, who live in Washington, DC, were doing it. And they're like, hey, like, let's do it. They're friends with Tracy Meyerson, who I'm friends with because of that running group. So I just got invited and they mentioned it at a run. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to do it. And I basically gave them no other choice but to invite me. I mean, I didn't even plan anything. I really just went, Tracy planned everything. So thank you. (laughs) Phenomenal. So we started at the south rim we started at like 4 30 a.m six or seven miles pitch dark and then we get to like the base of the canyon there were still like hills still elevation beautiful miles of rock around you and you're just so small in this canyon and it is just the wildest thing ever so we're running through the canyon everybody's so nice out there and like that's just the whole running or exercising community in general I'm telling you, when you suffer, you appreciate life. And so everybody's just like so happy. And we're just, I think it was like 10 or 11 miles through the valley of the canyon. And then around midday, it's getting pretty hot. We're moving up to the North Rim. And it was like definitely very physically taxing. It was hot. We were at our 22 miles like stopping point. So we were really only like less than halfway done. But we were all joking about it, kept it like, hey, like we're done with our warm up. We're going to get ready with our actual workout. So we get up to the North Rim 
uh, take like a 30 minute break, refill on stuff. And there were springs and water spigots along the whole entire way. So we never ran out of water. We brought 4,000 calories with this total because we didn't know how long we were going to be out there. So every hour we were eating 200 calories and just super sustained throughout the entire time. We head back down the North rim and heading down is super easy. We're cruising. They're like mules bringing up like mail and trash. And you're just seeing these crazy things you just don't see in normal life. And the Canyon is just so humbling and beautiful. It's just so hard to explain. If you're visiting the Grand Canyon, you can't just be on the top. You have to go in it. And it was just so beautiful. And the run slash like power hike was phenomenal. And really that was the longest time I'd ever been on my feet running. So once we got past like that 11, 12 hour, I was like, Oh wow. Like definitely feeling it. And it was just so beautiful running through. And then we take bright angel trail heading back up the Canyon. So it got pitch dark again. So it's just wild running in dark time, running all throughout the day and then running in dark time again, being with phenomenal women who are tough, inspirational, love life, and just have wisdom and character that I was just feeding off of. And the whole time we were getting along so good. And my whole thing is I like to be around people who are better than me, more knowledgeable than me. So I can just always just life is just giving me all these things at once with like the people in it. It was just a very inspirational trip. And then, so my watch, I just did the moving time. Like I'd stop it every time we move. So that's why 15 hours total moving time and then 18 hours total on the trail. So we finished about like 1030 at night, but it was a very long 10 mile trek up the bright angel trail to finish. And mentally we were definitely done, but we kept talking. We kept it light, made funny jokes and just kept it very, very fun. And I would 100% recommend doing it. It was phenomenal, life-changing. <laughs> so one of the things that we were talking about is we've heard, we hear people do this, right? Rim to rim or rim to rim to rim. Is there like a standard? Is there like a path? Is it marked? Is there a right way to do it? Or did you guys just like pick your way? Pick the short side. Right. <laughs> yeah. Pick, <laughs> that's what we said. Where it's narrow, I did a rim to rim. You know? <laughs> Not many people do the rim to rim to rim, obviously, but there is a very clear designated trail the entire way. We did like route recon the Thursday before we did it. So the day before, because we ran it on Friday. There's a map and it is literally a Y in the road and then a long end to the Y. So it's just, it's very clear cut. There's one trail down, the South Rim trail down, or you can start a Bright Angel trail down. It meets in the middle at a little campground and then you just go straight to the North Rim. And then you just come back and pick the other Y side that you wanna finish on. But yes, very well marked, super easy. Even in the dark time, we knew where we were going. And there's constantly like people every couple minutes. If you don't see there's like water, I don't know, every six miles or something at little campground. So it was very, very mentally easy to not be stressed about navigating. Built in aid stations. That's good to know. <laughs> yeah. You just have to bring food. Really. That's all you need food. They have water there. <laughs> 
That sounds amazing. And I think this, that's just good one for me to hear because uh, it is something I'd like to do. But the other piece is here and you just talk again with the joy mm-hmm. it's an experience, especially not being a race. It's on my bucket list for sure now. So oh, yeah. I and it's all about who you run with, like Tracy, Heather and Felicia. I know you guys know Tracy, but they are just so tough and so driven and love life so much and it is just all about who you do it with and it they made my experience 100% a million times better and I wouldn't change it for the world and being around people like that really just shows character and people who I would love to be around 24-7. Very cool. All right. So we'll go ahead and wrap it up. But before we do, I know you've got something on your calendar, the JFK 50 coming up here pretty quick, right? Yes, November 19th. Uh, So that's really, I mean. It's a biggie. Yeah. So we're recording on October 4th. So what is it? About six weeks away. How are you feeling about it? I am ecstatic. I can't even wait. I'm really excited. Every single run I'm doing is specifically for this race. And I am increasing my mileage volume by a lot. And I'm trying to hit 80 to 90 a week to maintain that time on my feet to include like some strides, some fast, long runs um, to be able to sustain because it's a fairly easy course. It's not very technical. So I, it's a fast race and I am so excited and intrigued to see how I'm going to do, but I am, I can't even explain how excited I am. Yeah, we've both done JFK 50. It's a, it's a great one. Depending on the weather, the Appalachian Park portion of it, the first 13, it's like 15, 15 points, point, almost 16, I think. That first portion, once you get on the trail, it's like rock. Like you're running on top of rocks. I mentioned my feet were just tired of hitting the rock differently than the hit pavement, just because you can't run the same way. But it was a little challenging for that. And it yeah. be slick. For me, the big takeaway was between the first and second year, I loved the Appalachian Trail. It was awesome. I hit the towpath and I expected to run really fast and my legs were shot. It was kind of <laughs> like, it was kind of like running around the nature park for a while and then thinking I was going to run a good flat 30 something miles. Right. So between year one and year two, I definitely put more time on the trails just to get used to that uneven footfall. But that would be my tip is know that those first 15 miles, while it's going to be really fun and it's not going to feel that hard will be battering your legs up a little bit for when you have to suddenly run 35 miles really straight and flat. 26. Last eights of rolling hills. Oh, that's true. Okay, so that's still mostly straight, but not flat. <laughs> I forgot about <laughs> but that. But it's it's a fantastic race. It's a great race. So everybody who wants to do a 50-miler, that's a really good one, and it's well-run, well-organized, been around forever. I think it's the oldest 50-miler. Yep. Um, that's out there, and so it's a, it's a fun one. And it's about 1,200 people, I think, that will run it um, each year. And a bit of history. I don't know if you know why it's called the JFK 50, but it was JFK gave a uh, challenge to the Marines to be able to travel 50 miles in a day because we were falling behind the world in fitness. And I don't think a Marine woman has won it yet. Really? He made that up, but, <laughs> but it was fun. And I like to just put a challenge out there for people. Yeah. 
Well, we're, we are really looking forward to that. And for everybody listening, uh, make sure you connect with Anderson if you're not already. And on Instagram, it's at Anderson underscore Dibble, D-I-B-B-L-E. And of course, we will post this in the notes. But Anderson, you are such, talk about, you know, a light. You are such a light. Thank you for just sharing your philosophies. I know I personally got so much out of tonight. And I know that everybody listening has as well. I did too. I don't want to make it sound like I didn't. I did as well. But thank you so much for taking the time just to, to spend with us. Yes, I seriously enjoyed being on this podcast and I am so, so thankful and I'm very inspired by you guys. And I'm very appreciative that you wanted me to talk on this podcast. And I think it's an amazing way to introduce different people to the world and share knowledge and experiences. And I'm very thankful. And I had so much fun. Uh, it's been pure value add. And it's going to get a lot more fun in just a minute. And it is going to get a lot more fun because we are going to keep you around. We do a segment for Patreon that you will see in just a second for everybody else. Again, if you'll give us the review, share with your friends, we would absolutely love it. And until next time. Cut. Why are you excited? Have you heard any of our podcasts before? Yes. And I'm just like, I never have been asked to speak on a podcast and I just like love this whole thing. And I think you guys are awesome. And I just feel very like, um, blessed is like the right word that you guys asked me to talk on this. Plan to be no later than 930. Oh, you got better. I know. I used to say 915 and then I just realized I was always wrong. You're talking through your computer, aren't you? Yes. Is that okay for you? Yeah, it's good. I don't have anything else. (laughs) (laughs) When you throw on that backwards hat and you're like doing your deal, it's like it's like a whole other person. That's when she goes to work. I love that you have a bag. (laughs) I love it too. Right? Like twice your age and some. (laughs) I know. I was surprised you guys did it at 8 p.m. I was like, oh, okay, like whatever. (laughs) It's only just because of families and obligations. Right. And then Jeremy will blame me and says some Apple product problem yeah. and all this kind of stuff. I was going to say, you just made a best friend in Jeff. I love it. Anderson, are you tight, babe? Um, I don't know what that means. <laughs> are you a control freak like me? Yes, mm-hmm. I definitely am, 100%. I yeah. love it. It's right now, her stress level has just shot through the roof right now. I have a running group at Top Sale that run at 420 and then they all text like a million things at once. She called sure. it top sale. What'd she call it? Don't they come down on you for saying that? Top sale. Top sale? What is it? <laughs> so sale. I was told because I call it top sale because that's the way it's spelled, but around, <laughs> around here it's top sale. Top sale. Okay. Top sale run club. <laughs>